0: This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out in New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a Lit Yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and stronger movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer, but I'm answering again with my lovely co-host, physical therapist and Lit Senior Teacher, Kristen Williams. Woo! I always feel like we should have like, we should have like little sparkles. A little band. <laughs> yeah. Da, da, da. Well, I know. We'll have to develop that. So Wednesday Q&A, here we go. First question is from Yoga uh, Yoga Lion, L-A-Y-N, Layon. How do you engage the core? Is it not belly in? How do you explain it?
1: Hmm. So I guess, um, did, did, did she say, was this with yoga? How do you engage the core? I
0: mean she's yoga is in her title name, um, on her Instagram. So I'm imagining it's probably that. And I'm imagining this might be in reference to some people will say, engage the core. Don't tighten the belly. Some people say, pull the belly in, pull the navel toward the spine. So there's a lot of kind of sayings and cues that can be useful, but others would argue, don't say them. So I think she's just
1: asking, Hey,
0: what do we say? How do you explain
1: Uh, so I mean, I definitely, it it's, it's, for me, I think it's position dependent. Um, I think when I'm in like an an airplane or where my belly would want to hang, I, I, I might be saying that pull, you know, pull the belly up or flatten. I like to talk about flattening between the two frontal hip points. That's more of a transversus abdominis engagement versus just like holding of the breath. I like, Laura, you've said this in the past kind of that idea of almost uh, like the Uddiyana Banda, where you're lifting up under the ribs, you know, pulling the navel up under the ribs. You know, that takes to me more core engagement than just (gasps) holding your breath. Whereas if I'm in like a supine crunch, I do like the, like the knit, I don't like the word crunch, but like a, you know, an ab work, I do like the knitting of the front ribs together. That, again, that pulling, cinching in, cinching in is a common one. I think you might have used, or one of the people in our last teacher training, I love the waffle iron. Someone talk about the waffle iron of, you know, like, or, that, you know, that, that, that lifting up out of a pelvis helps too. So I have, I have a whole like repertoire, I think of ways to try to get people to visualize that core engagement, whether we're talking abdominals, if we're talking, you know, uh, scapula you know, I love that whole idea. Try to stick your shoulder blades in your back pockets, you know, scapular depression, drawing them down the back, anchoring in. I got you. I know you have a bunch too. Why don't you? T-
0: yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. I do think it's, it's, um, it, it is dependent on what you're doing. And so that right there, when people are always saying navel spine, navel to spine, I think at some point people are like, is that all it is? And that isn't all it is. Like Kristen said, you know, if you're trying to get that deeper engagement of the transverse abdominis, which is the horizontal deep it's so deep it's right up there by the lumbar fascia uh the lumbar um spine that finding some bony points like the two frontal pelvic points she was talking about and drawing them together do they move no they don't move but the space thinking about them moving the action of that is engaging in that the transverse so that's That's like what I would say is kind of the bottom part of the, even though you're going into pelvic, the pelvic um, floor is is really the bottom of the pelvis. The bottom of the pelvic floor is the bottom of the core. So what you can say is pull those two pelvic points together and then lift like you're kind of pulling up, you know, an accordion up under as if you're going to tuck the skin of your front body under your ribs. So it's that and we'll start to employ... The obliques and a little bit of rectus, but mostly that action from transverse to um, the obliques, like Kristen was saying, when you're on your back and lifting your head up in what are you know would be looked at as a crunch, but we're, we're doing it differently. But thinking about those ribs closing off, the ribs pulling in like that, those are the using of the internal intercostals. That's really important for the exhale, fully exhale that full, like closing down of the ribs, being able to empty that. Also saying things like, you don't want to imply that holding the breath is is a good idea. There will be some retention involved when you are in full empty, when you've exhaled completely. And when that is fully empty, then imagine all of the muscles right around the spine, pulling together around the spine. You can use cues like that and see if that helps for the core. Okay, so for the next question. From Flory B6, as a yoga beginner, should we start slowly by ourselves to build body awareness or with a teacher?
1: Well, I, I started in classes, but I do think that just as a dancer and a physical therapist, I had a huge leg up, but I also would do stuff on my own. I got, I remember getting one of those yoga Bibles, just trying to figure out what pose was what. Honestly, I lo- now knowing what I know, I think your best bet is to start in, in with private instruction. You know, you can really, or a small, small beginner class that you know is going to really get their hands on you, keep an eye on you. So you aren't building any poor muscle patterns and strategies. That would be my recommendation now moving forward. Uh, because, they tend to move fat classes move fast sometimes. And you're, you spend more time looking around than actually, you know, moving. And then when you're doing that, you're probably not moving well. What do you think, Laura?
0: I, I would agree. I mean, I think that, you know, this is kind of the question somebody asked me a while back and it was really fascinating. And he said, is it better to go and do shitty yoga with someone or to sit on the couch? <laughs> and I was like, well, this is a tough answer. So fortunately that's not the question, but uh, what it brings up is, it is really good to go and get instruction, but be very, you know, just just do your due diligence. I mean, I'm going to do a little promoting here, and that is to say, like, look on our lit directory. We have listed we have list of teachers that we're constantly updating when we have graduates and who've gone through the program and know that you know these these are really smart people and they're going through a really smart program, which is teaching good movement and body awareness and not promoting some of the things you might see in the Instagram world of yoga with a lot of in range motion and going really fast and all that and as a beginner it's 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 so important to get the foundational understanding of movement and and you know of course of names of yoga poses but it's of of really getting the instruction for how to do that so you could do it up uh, online you also could take our classes we have a beginner program a foundational series on the lit daily which i highly recommend and then what you can do is especially if you aren't able to go out to a real person is also film yourself and start getting to know like how you are interpreting movement so if somebody's teaching you movement that's one thing great that's already giving you a leg up and then videoing yourself and watching how it plays out so to speak so that's where you can really spend the time like you said do i stay you know do i build my body awareness well you can build it but you have to have a lot of of things um, that give you feedback and one of them is i mean chris and i've talked about mirrors before but videoing yourself because your awareness is only as good as your brain thinks it is (laughs) if that makes sense, you know? So um I, I think it is important to get instructed by somebody who is really knowledgeable and then also also spend time practicing on your own and getting to know your own body awareness. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay, Uh let's see. Julia, Julie Jill, Jill, if you only had 10 minutes to practice movement for improved posture, go, dot, dot, dot. I love this. Well, I hope you only don't have 10 minutes, but I know what you're saying Uh, because people want these kind of little... Little, you know, it's like snackable, prescriptive time period that that you can do some movement that would help.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, um, ten minutes. It's going to kind of boil down to finding tadasana in 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 many ways. I don't know if if whoever our listeners are, are all yogis, but it's going to be that triple S. It's it's going to be drawing the ears back over the shoulders, finding your plumb line So. Some of my favorites are are the the chin tuck. I will tell people to do that while they're brushing their teeth, while they're at stoplights. We all tend to get lazy and our head comes forward, which is just like a ball of weight hanging off the base of the neck. And then we get the tightness in the back of the neck, weakness in the front of the neck. So a chin tuck is a quick, do it throughout your day. Posture is going to be thoracic extension. So opening the chest in some way. So, uh, a door frame stretch is an easy one. Just stepping one foot forward while you have your forearms on either side of the frame and stretching out your chest. You know, getting this. So now my, e- my, my ears are over my shoulders, my shoulders are over my hips, and then some sort of glute work, you know, glute kind of basically okay 10 minutes that can be the reset laura i
0: know if there you go that's what our reset on our uh, on our lit daily is all about is and some people that's all they do for a variety of reasons whether it's they're going to go do something else they don't have the time they yeah like it's it's really a uh, a lot packed into that 10 or 15 minutes and i will say also uh promotionally very soon maybe right when this is being broadcast, Chris and I are doing a 20-day, 20, 20 minutes. So you can give yourself an extra 10 minutes, 20-day, 20 20-minute 20 postural package. And it's really all about like in 20 days, you can improve it and you can start to see some changes. But yeah, that 20 minutes is probably what you're going to have to aim for. So to check that out because it addresses all the things that we were talking about here that we would want to see, more thrust extension, the triple S, getting your glutes active. And, and you'll feel that you'll want to, to give yourself that, that 20 minutes to do it. So check that out. That'll be on the, the Lit Daily as well.
1: Yeah, I think once you're, once you're like made aware of posture, you become much more in tune to where you are placing yourself throughout the day and how you can make changes. And so that's going to be exciting to, 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 to see the change in, in people over 20 days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we could, you know, geek out on posture all day, but just think the the more you work on it, and it can be in these little nuggets of time, the better you're going to feel. It's just that simple. You will feel better because you're going to be more balanced and you're going to hold on to your energy in a, in a way that will give you energy and not drain you. All right. Uh, Morgan Stevenson asks, how can you stop the hip popping during leg lifts and mountain climbers? That's a, que-
1: that's a good question. You know, how can you stop it? So um, that, that is a really, really common complaint. It, it tends to be, I find uh, a tendon snapping over a bony prominence. A, a lot of times it's your, it's your iliopsoas tendon or your rectus femoris tendon. Why does it happen? Usually it's only unilateral, meaning only on one side. Why does it happen? There are so many answers to that that varies for so many different people. I, my biggest answer to someone is, well, I don't know why it's happening for you, but let's look at your body and look at your asymmetries. So I have found that by, as with everything else, Laura, more core, more core is going to help because you're probably recruiting your hip flexor secondary to a weakness somewhere else in your deep abdominals in your adductors, uh, you know, so you know, we have these areas that are weak. And to be honest, a lot of times our hip flexors are weak, but there is definitely not as with again, everything, there's not a cookie cutter answer to every person. And, um, you know, my best bet would be just try to find your asymmetries, you know, try a single leg bridge, see if it feels different on one side versus the other, you know, video yourself, watch how you're moving differently um, or look at your hip range of motion. You are, you know, where are you compensating for that to be happening? Or quite frankly, it just might be your body and it's not a big deal. It might drive you crazy and sometimes it'll happen for me and then it'll go away. That's my thought. How about yeah, you? Yeah. I, I agree. I don't, I don't think there's one thing. What I
0: do see does seem to be a common thread is of course the anterior tilted pelvis Because then you're tending to, like, like Kristen was saying, recruiting the superficial hip flexors more, and they're, you know, they, especially in these type of positions, like you're talking about, like a mountain climber or something, that your pelvis is kind of, it's, if it's not neutral, it'll be exaggerated there. Like you might not get it as much. Maybe you'll get it in standing, and your hip comes up, but you can usually accommodate a little bit because you're going, you know, your, your spine is not also going against gravity. To, yeah, I would say a couple things. Get curious about why. Like, is it because you need a little bit more space in the hip joint? You can sometimes just do a little rotation, external internal rotation, and see if that kind of works it out and try it maybe with a little bit of rotation involved. Make the movement smaller. And also think about, and this is really getting into that deeper core strength, including the iliopsoas, is like moving the leg from your belly. Like I often will say, pull your thigh up from the belly because the origins of that are actually in the abdominal wall. And so instead of pulling it right up at the hip joint, you know, crease there, that anterior hip, think about pulling it up from there. And sometimes that will help you find that deeper connection to uh, like iliopsoas or something. So you're not just pitching the pelvis and working from there. That could be a reason. It could be other reasons as well, like she, like Kristen said, maybe your uh, femur is made in that way, and it's just you're just gonna it'll be snapping, and it's annoying. So I think experiment with it. Experiment with making it smaller, but making yourself more stable in your center at your pelvis in your rib cage, and see if that helps. That has helped with people that I've worked with who've complained about it, and um, making the movement smaller at first, controlling the movement better. So that when you go into the bigger range, it won't do that like kind of uh, clicking or snapping across the snapping hip syndrome.
1: I love that. I love that cue of coming from the belly. That's great, Laura. That's it. Because again, anytime we can give some sort of verbal, visual, manual cue, that can go a long way as well.
0: It really, yeah, it really can. And that's the way, because your brain, by the way, when you actually think of that, it goes there. So, and the first stage of any kind of movement is there is, whether it's happening at a nanosecond or not, there's a visualization of it happening. So visualize that and it will start to happen more from that place. Okay. Um, Somebody asked about mobility. Let's see, Annie Kennell, mobility for neck, circles, yay or nay, since neck likes stability and not mobility. Well, it does like mobility too. (laughs) I mean, it's, very mobile because it's what like interacts us with the world i mean if you have somebody who's had fusion or not able to move their neck like and it's the world seems a lot uh more it, it closes in around you because you experiment from because we're visual i don't know what it is like 80 of you know of our brain dedication or it's maybe not that much but there's a ton of it dedicated to vision Um, Because we are so visual and because we experience and we get so much information. So uh, my answer is this, that we we do want, if you look at the ranges of motion of cervical extension, flexion, rotation, lateral flexion, um, they are all quite generous. You know, you want to be able to look to the side. You want to be able to look to the side. That's rotation. You want to be able to bring your ear towards your shoulder. It's not going to touch your shoulder necessarily at all. But can it get like, you know, can it be released at all? I've seen some people who can barely release it. Um, can you look up at the ceiling? Can you look down at the floor? The, so I look at it like you want the functional range of motion there. And then where is it limited or feel catchy? So joint, like mobilizing the joint in this way, I think is maybe less effective than doing the actual stretches with your, with your neck or in your skull as well positioned on the atlas as possible. Again, I mentioned Shirley Sarman in my, our last talk, She's a physical therapist, that has been teaching for decades. And I just remember very early on, because I used to be an aerobics teacher and we would do the whole like neck circling thing one way and then the other way. And I remember like her saying, your neck is not a ball and socket joint, like don't circle it. And I was like, stop circling. Cause I mean, I really like this woman. I totally, I just, everything she says, I have not found anything to not be accurate. And so I did stop doing that. And, but what I would say is I look at it like you can make a circle, just make it more like I go look down, then I look, then I look up, then I go to the right and then I go to the left, like take it apart as opposed to putting it all together as a circle. That makes sense. Would you like to tell us what your thoughts are? Yeah.
1: You know, I think, um, I totally agree. I, I love that your neck is not a ball and socket joint. I mean, really, we, we, we should only be circumducting on a regular basis from our ball and socket joints, which are pretty much our, our hips and shoulders. And that's it. We do have a, other ball and socket joints, but the only ones that circumduct are the hip and shoulder. So when do I say absolutely don't do them? No, sometimes you need to do that kind of role. It just feels good. But when we're talking about cervical extension and lateral flexion, you know, you're putting some vertebral structures in the backside of, uh, um, not vertebral, um, vascular. Uh, vascular. Thank you, yeah. vascular. I think the vertebral artery. Yeah, vascular structures. You know, in a little bit of a possibly questionable if you have issues there. So now I personally kind of the looking down and rolling again, I don't prescribe that, but we're much more mobile with a flexion and opening of the back body. You're, you're, you're not compressing on as much as when you extend and do, you know, any type of circular motion. So as I agree with you, Laura, like don't do it as a practice. It's not a ball and socket joint. I never prescribe it. I always prescribe flexion, extension, side bending, and rotation in separate planes. But I'm not saying you cannot circle your head because it's bad for you uh, circle your neck. It's just, it's not meant to move that way. We don't need to do it as a practice. So
0: does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Like, I, I agree. Like, you're not going to kill yourself if you do it, but you're repetitively doing it and as as definitely as a form of a practice. Uh, is what we're saying is not recommended. But yeah, if you like go there or feel like intuitively like, oh, I got to kind of circle or like cl- clack, click something into place, It that's, you know, that's not going to be, it's not going to have that wear and tear that that Shirley was talking about. Um, and like Kristen said, that the extension where you're kind of looking up and then doing some kind of rotation or lateral flexion reflection with that, that is, um, yeah, that's that's a vulnerable position. Just think about like that would, I always go back to like, um, that were mammals, right? That were mammals that are essence. And look at the things that animals, other animals do. Now, obviously, we have different bodies. We we're not quadruped, blah blah blah. But like they don't put, they don't really do vulnerable stuff. You know, if you look at, they just don't. It's not like they do it for any any particular reason. And so I always think like, it, it, you know, it's it's like when people had their babies on their back and put them in those little restraints. <laughs> You know? And I'm like what other mammal would do that none of them they all sleep on their stomach they all guard their their most vulnerable area which is your you know your viscera and we are mammals and we have some of these commonalities with them so that's sometimes I think about that like would my dog sit there and roll his you know <laughs> circle his head around <laughs> they they probably have a lot more facial uh, m- pliability than we do but anyway those are these are all great things to ponder but yeah I think the people that are teaching that in a group exercise I'm I'm, I'm class I'm I've done that many years ago and I, I I stopped that when I was in PT school so I can say I've done it but I would not recommend that now so yeah anyway let's take one more question here this one is what is the best position I love these this is my Mar- Rem. Mar- Mar- rim what is the best position of the scapula during handstand elevation slight protraction People ask me about handstand. Uh, It's it's fascinating. I love it because that means you care. And that means you're really into the mechanics. And, you know, we had a call last night on my teacher training and it was like, well, when you're going, you know, like a one-legged lift off, like say from a standing L versus like jumping in a pike, what's the scapula doing? And I'm just kind of like, I think it's fascinating that everybody's so into it. So the answer is for me, it really depends. Like if you go and you're gonna be training with a lot of acrobatics, they're gonna teach you a different way that I would teach you because most of the people I'm teaching are not acrobatics. They're not gymnasts. They have probably never done a handstand. If they did, it was decades ago. You know, so I am gonna teach uh that you lift off from a neutral scapula from if you're doing like a standing split into it. And then once you get up, yeah, you're going to naturally, because your arm, your shoulder is in a, a flex position, um, just like it is when you lift your arm up over your head, it, you're going to have that elevation of the scapula to some, uh, upper rotation of the scapula to some degree, which has both elevation and protraction in it. So think more about like allowing the scapula to move freely than kind of parsing like protract elevation because upward rotation has both of those in it it's really like can you lean into the scapula in a neutral position lift off the legs come up when they align you're already going to have moved via uh, you know your legs versus your arms yourself in an upwardly rotated position
1: i will agree with Uh, you well yeah um i think when i stopped thinking about my scapula was when I got better. And I started thinking about my pelvis. Um, You know, this is coming from someone again, I am built different than Lara. I don't have her length and back body. So I am pushing forward more to get up. So I remember you saying years ago when I was first, you know, dive into my hand, dive into your hands. And I started thinking of that bobble bird, you know, the one that kind of hurt uh, someone with water. But so number one, your pelvis has to be neutral, meaning you don't want the feet to come up first. You got to lead with your pelvis, which is going to keep your spine more neutral, which is going to keep your scapula more neutral. And then yes, as you come up, the scapula are going to follow your scapula humeral rhythm into that upward rotation. But if you have a banana back, your scapula will not upwardly rotate because they're sitting in a more, your shoulders are more flexed or more actually, and more extended, if you will. It's less shoulder flexion. You're not up at 180 degrees. You're more at like 150. So your scapula is no longer upwardly rotated. It's starting to, but not as, as you know, where it needs to be. So I would start thinking about your, your hips. Think about your butt think about getting the head down the hips up where's your pelvis? what position is your pelvis in? and what you will watch your scapula will probably follow suit and you'll be able to weight bear in the scapula more because the hips will stack over and you're going to take it out of those shoulder muscles you know like you're you're more um, fragile when you're not stacked so um yeah. My thing is, think less about scapula, think more about pelvis and spinal alignment. And I will bet you'll feel that scapular engagement really well.
0: Yes. I, that's beautiful. And it's it, to, in that vein, think about if you're lifting off, like what she said, your pelvis needs to go first, which kind of makes sense because your legs are attached to it. But a lot of people are very, you know, they're, And this comes from the eagerness. This is where we have to be patient, but there's like an eagerness to get up there. And it's like, I always look at it like you're taking a shortcut, essentially. You still accomplished, like you got from whatever to whatever, but it's a shortcut. And that shortcut is not going to pay off in the long run because you're not going to be able to control yourself getting up. And in that control of getting up, have all these things that will naturally occur. Like we're like Christmas saying, you don't have to worry about the scapula; they're they're going to do what they're meant to do with your arm and shoulder flexion. So if you can't get up there for some reason until then, then that that those are the things to work on: working on the core strength, working on the um, opening in your shoulder, th- that having that range of motion in your shoulders, and not acquiring it from your um, thorax, you know, the thorax going forward. So it's actually, I think what's more, more interesting is to see like, what is, what is preventing me from getting upright by moving the pelvis first. And if it's in the shoulders, then work on the shoulder strength and and range of motion. And if it's, you know, in the spine, work on like not bending in the back by working more, more core. And that includes your glutes. Your glutes will really help you kind of as a, as a, Brake pad of sorts, <laughs> so it is. Yeah, it's it is fascinating, and I get what you're saying. It is really fascinating to look at what the scapula are doing. But just like when we raise our arm up overhead, at a certain point, it's like, what's ha- what's the scapula doing? It's doing what it should be doing, which I'm hoping, upperly rotating. <laughs> you know, so don't tell people to draw their shoulder shoulder blades down when their arm is in, in shoulder flexion. Um, their scapula needs to be li- part of that upperly rotation is elevation. So look at the whole package look at the whole package. Yeah. Amen, sister. Amen. That's what we
1: try always
0: look at, but it's fun to look at. Uh, so when people are like, oh, you always, I don't like the people that, no, I, don't, I don't like it when people say you need to be fully like protracting your shoulders or elevating your shoulders to get up and handstand. And I think that actually really um, doesn't work well for people at all. So just think about what Kristen said, work the pelvis to get over, keep your scapula neutral while while you're getting on top, like while you're getting that lever over. And then the core does the, you know, does the rest of the work pretty much. Handstands for days. All right, guys, as always, and as always, Kristen, lovely to have you on here. Uh, We're such a good team. (laughs) So you guys, if you have any questions, make sure you can write me at lara at lityoga.com or leave me a message on Instagram. I'm always happy to answer. And we love doing these Q and A's. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Imagine the